go ahead and welcome Charlotte to the ProHo podcast. Hey, Charlotte. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. We are so excited to have you, a medicine woman and educator, join our podcast and help us explore and learn and just get a better understanding of how psychedelics and sex maybe are intertwined. We don't know. I know there's not a lot of qualitative data out there and it's still, you know, a relatively new practice for a lot of people. But I do think since we're starting to see this emergence of psychedelics, you know, I I feel like I'm seeing it on Vice headlines and all over social media. And it's as a millennial, a lot of my friends and I are taking breaks from alcohol because we realize we've been destroying our liver for the last 20 years. So weed and, and mushrooms is definitely you know, more, it's part of our kind of a toolbox lately. So I would love to just a little bit, you know, start from the beginning. And if the audience say they're complete novices, can you just start by telling us a little bit about mushrooms, about their, their use, about their effects and why now people are kind of obsessed with them? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I always like to start these conversations just in gratitude to the ancestors and spirit guides that conspired to bring us together to have this conversation. I think it is very noteworthy um, that in this moment in history, there is an opening for two Black women to be talking about psychedelics and sex uh, in a very public way and how those things impact our lives without, you know, um, fear of danger to our physical bodies, our spiritual bodies, um, or like our liberty being taken away by having these conversations. So I definitely want to uh, just mark that this is this is a big moment, I think, in history. And, and part of why this is the moment in which these medicines and traditions are really resurging. So uh, in my practice as a medicine woman and a ceremonialist, I really talk primarily about sacred earth medicines and connecting back into where these medicines come from, the traditions and lineages that have held and protected these incredible beings and tools, as you said, technologies for our mental, spiritual, physical, communal, and environmental improvement, optimization, well-being, all of those things. So um, mushrooms and more broadly sacred earth medicines have been used for over, you know, the the evidence dates back more than 3,000 years in academia. And I think um, within oral tradition, even further back than that, of how these are tools to connect us to the divine and to allow us to recognize our innate power um, and also our role in in all things um, and you know I was thinking a lot in preparation about how in black and brown indigenous communities especially there there is and and was a strong tradition of earth-based practices and earth-based worship. So like understanding that spirit is present in all beings and in matter. And a lot of this then is a worship of mother earth, of the feminine, of the portal of creation that the female body can, can be. And I think that's really where we can like start to tie in this conversation around, um, sacred sex, the archetype of the sacred hoe, um, you know, 
sex as a tool to connect to the divine, right? Not as something that is taboo or disgusting, but really something that, that takes us to the feet of divinity and creates life. And so I'm, I'm really excited about all of the ways in which we are seeing um, conversations around sexual trauma and healing from sexual trauma and working with these medicines begin to come into the conversation and how we um, really, it's, it's a time for us to return to this earth-based feminine worship uh, in order to sort of right the, the wrongs and the imbalances that were created through colonization and white supremacy and patriarchy. There were so many moments that I wanted to interject and just give you snaps and all of the things, because especially the sacred hoe part, we're definitely going to get into that. But I agree that in a lot of my research also about decolonizing sexuality, this has come up so much about how often women and people, two spirits and trans people that did exist then before we had the language to kind of categorize them in, in those spaces were often revered and honored and they were the leaders of their communities and they were the wealthiest of their communities. So I'm like, listen, let's, let me go back. Let, let's put up the hoe. Let's raise up the hose again, because I think that we've, we've moved really far away from that. But also to your point of, of how it's about the divine feminine and, and women, because in my previous conversation about cannabis and weed, we we're talking about how cannabis is a flower and how oftentimes a woman's sacral area and and sexual chakras are flowers and they're budding and they're expanding and growing. And so I think that there are a lot of similarities to female pleasure and arousal and to Mother Earth. And we need to return back to that. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, your practice as a medicine woman and how you're integrating this into sacred wholeness? Yeah, thank you for that. It's really interesting. I was just, I, I lead a decolonization training in the psychedelic space called the Psychedelic Liberation Training. And last week we had a class on queer identity and working with queer communities. And there was this conversation of when we go back to pre-colonial times, the gender binary did not exist in the way that we understand it um, and are deconstructing it now. And frequently folks that we would now put in the category or identity of queer were also the shamans because to be a shaman is to walk between worlds, you know, non-binary approach to gender is, can be seen as that as well as, as being able to walk between worlds. I was going to say, which I think is something that is evidently missing in today's world, especially when, especially I think in heterosexual conversations, when people are so fixated on like, Oh, well, women, behave this way and men behave this way. And this is how we different think we need, we need actually someone that walks between, (laughs) between all worlds and both worlds and, and none at all. So if we're going to unlock things, we definitely need to practice existing on a wider spectrum than just the gender binary. Yeah, absolutely. So the ways in which I weave this into my personal practice are really in looking at sex and sensuality as part of liberatory practice um, or the tools that we can tap into, the different types of expression that we can tap into to feel a greater sense of liberation. Also, when we think about sacred earth medicines and indigenous tradition, it is very relational. It's about how we relate to the earth and then how we relate to each other. And so 
I see great potential in working with sacred earth medicines and other ancestral modalities in improving the ways in which we relate to each other, um, whether that is in that you choose monogamy, you choose polyamory, whatever that looks like for you, that it's able to enhance the ways that we that we relate and communicate with each other um, and hold space for each other to explore our spirits through our bodies, um, to explore and be able to name our deepest desires and needs and wants, which is something I think many of us are conditioned out of doing. You know, when we're talking, continuing this conversation of decolonization, like when we look at sex, it is one of the most sort of controlled topics or like a, an area of conversation that generates a lot of, can generate a lot of shame for people. And when we look at just the rampant rates of sexual violence in our world, there is great potential for working with sacred earth medicines to really allow us to come back into our bodies with safety um, and to like shift the ways in which we relate to our trauma and therefore how we relate to each other. Yes. And I do, I want to talk on this a little bit more because I find that definitely sex is just one of the most stigmatized and a lot of shame has been indoctrinated upon us, especially in black women's bodies. I find that religious and cultural and societal norms are definitely, you know, keeping us hostage in terms of just real sexual liberation. And I, and I feel like that word is so overused in liberation, but really just meaning however you define sexuality, whatever that means for you, you know, we don't yuck your yum over here as long as it's safe and with consenting folks. But I do, I am curious why earth plants like psychedelics and mushrooms and cannabis, why are they so, so beautiful in terms of healing trauma and shame? Because is it that we're just ill-equipped to, to do it our own, <laughs> do it with sober mind. You know, we see psychedelics, as you said, like popping up a lot in the mainstream now as related to conversations of healing PTSD, chronic depression, generalized anxiety, um, you know, a whole host of sort of the manifestations of colonization and white supremacy in in our lives and in our minds. So there's like the neuroscience part of it, which is that these medicines can help us to rewire our neural pathways. So essentially when we experience trauma, we then respond to that trauma in a certain way. And we tend to seek out uh, coping mechanisms and self-soothing tools to alleviate the impact of that trauma. And what happens over time is that this then develops into our behaviors, our habits, and our personality. When, let's say, we're in a relationship and your partner um, does something that really triggers your abandonment wound, right? Your fear of abandonment or your fear of rejection. If you have not looked at uh, your sort of response or reaction to those triggers, you'll always respond and react in the same way, right? A happens, person A says this thing and I react in this way. And so that's like the neural pathway A to B. When we work with sacred medicine, it really sort of blasts open those neural pathways and allows us to say, oh, maybe I could go A to C. Maybe I could take a breath and a pause and there's another way to respond to this situation and I can choose how to respond or I can equip myself with different tools that aren't necessarily self-medicating. So right, on, an, on a 
brain level, that is what medicine's allowing us to do, especially with psilocybin. There are some really beautiful um, images that I can share with you afterwards about like typically our brain works in this way and these parts only communicate with these other parts. And when we work with psilocybin, it, it really opens that. So all of these parts that typically would not be communicating directly with each other start to. And and it allows for this really expansive opening of recognizing and, and remembering like who we were before that trauma occurred. And coming back to this uh, knowing of our internal worth, of our internal and innate power, and in many cases helps us also to come back to our purpose, which when we look at, again, indigenous communities um, that lived in, in more harmonious ways uh, and continue to live in more, more harmonious ways, there's this understanding that every person has a gift and a purpose to bring that supports the evolution of the collective. And again, capitalism has ripped that away from us in many ways, and we don't really have rites of passage um, in our society anymore. You know, I would say my rite of passage was like getting effed up on, you know, drunk at some party, right? It's like, that's the, the first time you get fucked up is like a thing in our society or going to college and partying really hard. Like those are our quote unquote rites of passage, um, which really don't help in, in maturing or coming into your role and responsibility in society, arguably doing completely the opposite. So, you know, working with these medicines again can, can help us to do that. You mentioned psilocybin and, and for some folks who don't even know what that word means, can you break it down for us? Yeah, absolutely. So psilocybin is an active compound in psilocybcubensis, which are also known as magic mushrooms, or in some traditional communities, um, namely the Mazatec of southern day, southern present day Mexico, actually refers them refers to them as um, the sacred children. Other places refer to them as the little teachers, and um, they've also been called um, the fruit of the gods. So they have many, many names are, and are present. Um, yeah, what's really beautiful about mushrooms is we can trace um, mushroom worship or ceremony back to a number of different cultures and ethnic groups across the globe, like throughout um, present-day Europe, Africa, Central and South America, um, and the Caribbean as well. I mean, I think I do want to get a little bit more into the conversation on on sacred sex. And, you know, you did um, describe psilocybin for us. Thank you so much. And I would just love to know because arousal for women specifically is already a very, very undiscovered world. And we're always trying to find more ways to understand. Like, honestly, I have my OBGYN advisor who combed down, combed through so many uh, medical science journals on sexuality and female arousal. And there's just really no quantitative data. And they've focused all of their <laughs> research on men, which we we know uh, and we experience every day. And, you know, there's Viagra and there isn't, you know, things are catching up for, you know, to actually have those kind of supplements and things for women. But I'm always curious, you know, there was a headline saying CBD is, is female is the next you know frontier for, for female arousal. And so I, I do want to get a little bit more into the conversation of how you have experienced plant-based or yeah, plant-based psychedelics or, or drugs. Do we call them drugs? Um, <laughs> um, how you've 
seen them intertwined with sexuality, whether it's a personal anecdote or if you've seen it in your in your work with other people? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say I would be really happy to talk about this from personal experience and then share some resources on folks that I think are like amazing educators on this topic in this space. Amazing. Um, so one would be uh, Michaela de la Maico. Her Instagram is at Mama de la Maico. She's an amazing herbalist. She talks a lot about um, like the history of womb suppression and the suppression of the feminine. Amazing educator. Um, also, um, Monica Cadena, who is helping to organize the Psychedelics Intimacy and Sex Summit with Double Blind. Um, Ooh, so that's yeah. coming up. Yeah. And looks really, really beautiful. They're, they'll be talking about divine orgasm and psychedelics for sexual trauma and um, psychedelics and partnership and families. And um, so I think that's an amazing resource. Um, Britta Love is also um, just wrote a really great article that I think is titled Whores Are Sacred. Um, and she's a, a former sex worker and a psychedelic advocate who talks about these medicines. So they're really wonderful resources. And then also, I don't have personal experience with this organization, but there is an organization called ISTA um, that focuses on um, spiritual, sexual, shamanic work and training in the temple arts. Um, and they have different sort of levels of classes and retreats that you can participate in. Again, I don't have personal experience, but I know others who um, have gone on those retreats and worked at that organization and had um, positive outcomes. For me personally, I, I really appreciated and wanted to get into this conversation or question that you posed um, before we started recording about sex in and of itself being a psychedelic. And yes, um, I loved that because I think for some people, so sex can be a drug. Some people do suffer from sex, mm. sex addiction or over intoxication. So I was kind of thinking if, if we're engaging in alcohol and cannabis and mushrooms and psychedelics, are we just really kind of like doing life? Are we just doing drugs on drugs and experiencing highs like all the time? <laughs> you know? And also like, what are we doing on autopilot? Yes, exactly. Without precisely. that question of why am I doing this? Why am I engaging with this person? Do I want to be here in this moment? And I can't even name the number of experiences in my life where it was like, I don't really, this is going to be pretty mediocre, but like we're here. <laughs> so let's do the thing. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like being way more intentional about that and thinking about it, especially for um, people who are receiving right? Who are not um, penetrating. Also, like, what am I putting into my body? Literally, like, whose energy, what energy, what other energy has it picked up that I'm now putting like directly into my root base energetic center? Uh, and how is that Insane. going to impact me? Insane. Um, and, you know, and how am I, you know, what tools then could I access later in life when, you know, maybe some healing is done and there's um, forgiving and gentle reflection on past experiences um, that were consensual that maybe now you're like, hmm, 
maybe that wasn't so beneficial to me, right? So I am a big advocate um, for my for myself uh, of cannabis and sex. Um, my husband and I are both daily cannabis smokers, and so if we're having sex, it. most likely there is some, there some <laughs> cannabis involved at some point in the likewise, day. Likewise, likewise. And yeah, I mean, it's really timely that we are having this conversation today because I had yesterday a very like psychedelic orgasmic experience where I came out of it and I was like, Oh, that was like a journey, you know, like I, I really needed to, it was so intense and expansive that I really had to like take a break also and like reground myself to come back because it was so such intense arousal and and you know I, working with the medicine can be that way as well you go into this state of really expanded consciousness um i also see so much overlap in creating the container for psychedelic work and creating a container for intimate connection and how you can make agreements to ensure safety um, to open up space for surrender, to open up space for kind of a death uh, and rebirth process, right? Mm. If we think about um, in French, an orgasm is referred to as the little death. And so how yes. that that peak, that build and that release and that surrender into it. And then what it takes in a partner, or even if you're engaging in a self-love practice, right, in a masturbation practice, like the safety that you need to develop with yourself and your body to allow for that surrender to occur and for that opening to occur. So yeah, all of that was super present for me, um, for me yesterday. And even like some of the tools that um, my husband used to help me reground are things that I would use with people in ceremony to help them come back into their bodies as well that are not related to sexual touch, but um, can be helpful like hand holding or touching of the feet to like get that regrounding or sort of brushing energy off of the body. Um, right. Because, and that's, that's also a response, right, to trauma or danger is like grounding, regrounding yourself, being very aware of your surroundings and feeling your feet on the floor. Or a lot of us, again, millennials, because we have been screwed up. <laughs> We've been screwed up. However, my friend um, on Instagram posted a picture of her just like lying down on the hardwood floor. And she's like, if you're a millennial, you know why I'm here. And it's like, yeah, sometimes in the middle of the day, you just got to get down on the floor, feel grounded. There's something below you holding you up. It's fine. And so that reminded me of what you were saying of just kind of touch and, and reminding yourself that you're physically present in this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if better if you can go lay out on the on the grass on the or grass, on the dirt or some you know? some part of the earth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it is really interesting, and um, my husband and I also organize gatherings, nudist gatherings, non-sexualized nudist gatherings, and there is so much overlap in what I do to prepare and create the ceremonial container with the group agreements and um what is welcome in this space and all these things and the way that you you create a container for safe nudist naturist exploration 
Um, so yeah, again, like this, these worlds of body liberation, sex liberation, and sacred medicines intersect so much. First, because we, we both have admitted that we are definitely into the cannabis and for people maybe who are used to cannabis or high sex, can you maybe outline, I know this is a difficult question because how people respond to the plant is going to be different in general, right? Like our bodies are different, our minds, our mental states, how you come into the the practice is going to be different every single time. And I think for myself, every each time I've done mushrooms has been a different experience. And I've been with different people in different surroundings and different settings, and you wake up different <laughs> every day. So is it possible to maybe describe kind of what this this euphoria may feel like. And then as a follow-up to, I'm so curious about your nudist uh, community is one of the questions that someone brought up to me was, say, for example, someone triggers you or you're having a bad trip or experience. How can you approach safety and like consent if you are in a sexual moment as well? Yeah, that's a huge question. And I'm really glad that you asked that because something that I was thinking about earlier today is this question of mixing sex and psychedelics, right? And, and you asked a couple of questions and I responded, um, you know, in our planning emails that I don't, I work in a ceremonial container in which there's a very clear agreement that there is not going to be sexual touch, not between participants, not between facilitators and participants. It's not, it's not where we're going in the mm-hmm. ceremony, right? Right. However, what may arise is you're in a ceremony or you're working with the medicine or whatever your context is. And you're like, huh, I'm feeling an openness. Like, I think I might want to try that thing that I thought I didn't want. Maybe I want to have a threesome. Maybe I want to explore my gender identity, my um, sexual orientation or preferences, right? And maybe it's okay to just have that awareness while you're working with the medicine, not, and now I'm at a party and those two people over there look hot. Let's yeah. go have a threesome with them today, <laughs> right? While I'm on mushrooms. Right. Um, yes. But like how you can honor yourself to be, to, to, to recognize that opening without the pressure of taking immediate action or seeking instant gratification from that awareness. So I just want to name that as like um, that there are incredible practitioners who talk about the intersection of this work. And there are absolutely ways to do that. Uh, there was a question also in, in our prep around Tantra, right? And like healing with Tantric practices. Yes. And I want to name that it's so important to build strength and trust in your intuition before engaging in that type of work so that you are choosing practitioners with discernment and not with your trauma. I see a lot of people, um, my husband and I were on a panel or another podcast recording about sex, loves, and, and psychedelics. And this woman who was on it just kept encouraging people who wanted to explore kink to go to fetlife.com and i was like no no <laughs> it's an option I, but um i think like you need to do a lot of research. looking at yourself yes. research like a lot of things before your first move is i'm going to go look for someone on fetlife to engage in this kink 
with. Listen, and I'm again, on field. Yuck and the yum. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. I'm on field. But even that is just it's after a while it becomes so overwhelming that I'm like, it's it doesn't feel like I can actually sift away the things that I don't want. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like not yucking the yum. As long as your yum is with consenting adults. Love it. Do all the things. Love it. I saw some podcasts ref- like circling back to how sort of noteworthy and revolutionary these conversations are. I saw a recording podcast last week where there was a black woman talking about how she really liked golden showers. And it was like, yes, sis, talk about it. Yes. You like that? Talk yes. about it. Beautiful. You're a consenting adult. Yes. You're reflecting on why you are engaging in this practice, in this kink, right? Yes. Yes. Great. Yes. And I love all of that. So I think it's like sort of like a little bit of stages, right? Like you're playing with your expression, with your liberation, you're doing your healing work and you're checking in with yourself and hopefully you have community too. Like you're checking in with community about who are the trusted practitioners? Where are the trusted communities? Yeah, how you can engage in it with sex and psychedelics and love and relationships in a way that is for your highest good and not in a way that is reinforcing your patterns of trauma and abuse. There's so much, but the practice is beautiful in coming to that realization. And I think it also makes it much more sacred because when you do indulge in this plant medicine and this experience and psychedelics, it's actually because you're coming with some type of intention of what you seek from the experience. And hopefully you're coming into it actually with people that you trust and safe. So the experience can only hopefully be, uh, you know, positive. But we didn't we didn't mention exactly kind of the feeling of of yes. this high. Yes. Can you describe it for us in your just in your own experience and words? Mushroom medicine is a little bit of trickster energy. So every time yes. it's very different. Yes. Very different. And you don't know when um, it's going to. I have taken it at a specifically I was at Afropunk. Burna Boy was the headliner. I took it an hour and a half an hour and a half before. Nothing. And then at like 4 4 a.m. in my bed, I'm like, and here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Oh, I've had that experience with with LSD and being like, well, that tab didn't work. And being like, all right, let's take another. Re-up. You're like, oh, that one kind of. And then you're sitting on the toilet at 6 a.m. in the hotel and like the floor is melting. (laughs) And you're like, all right, well, we got another 12 hours of this to go. Yes. Um. So that part, right? It's really hard to talk about how it's going to impact someone because it's so different for every single person and every experience. Some things that could be happening, um, heightened sense of or heightened perception of color and light, um, heightened sense perception arousal in the body. Um, so being more sensitive, um, you could potentially be more sensitive to touch. You could potentially be less sensitive to touch because sometimes it it takes you out of your body a little bit. Um, You can sense or feel um, more relaxation, which can help with the arriving to the place of surrender. Um, It can help in sort of relaxing the thoughts as well. Then again, it can also amplify the thoughts. So it's like everything that you'd say also has the opposite. My personal experience with... um, Mushrooms and sex has been at lower doses. I wouldn't really like 
go into the higher shamanic doses and then attempt to be engaging with someone for questions of consent and also just coordination and desire and what's going on in that space. At lower doses, though, I have had the sensation of sort of losing the barrier of where I end and my husband starts and he ends and I begin and this like sort of meshing together right. as like melting puddles in a cosmic sea. So that's really beautiful for, that, for that great, creating yeah, greater connection. And then with cannabis, I feel like it's the the helping with the relaxation piece. And then I do find that cannabis is just like very open. I mean, you said it, the flower, right? The blooming, like it's a very opening medicine. And so, for example, I'm thinking about yesterday just because it was great and very much on my mind. I love this for you. I love this for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, being married can be fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all of these medicines have helped me be far less of a people pleaser. So when I don't like it, you're going to hear about it too. And that's okay. I'm not going to do it in a way that's mean or shaming or putting you down. But, um, you know, I need to also get my pleasure in this situation. And it's only going to be better if we both know how to um, lead each other and support each other in that pleasure journey. Absolutely. Close mouths. Do not get fed. No, no, no. And I think um, to your point, yes, cannabis is, it, it is definitely more of an opening, a blossoming type of experience, but it also allows you to sift away some of the distractions and really hone in on the stimulation that's occurring. Do you find that that's similar with psychedelics as well? You know, my only experience with psychedelics and sex is mushrooms um, at lower doses. And yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, really being able to to feel into your body what what is happening and where. And if you like it, is it, is it pleasurable or not? And can you can you shift that? Can you communicate about that? But yeah, I would say... I would say that's true. And it it makes sense because working with these medicines also like when you're in a ceremonial context um, or if you're just in a therapeutic, whatever it is, but where there's less distractions in general, like less stimuli, you are frequently able to go into the body at like a cellular level or really go into different parts of the body and like really concentrate into that place in a way that is harder in just a waking state. And what about masturbation with mushrooms? Has this been a practice that you have participated in? Is it similar if you don't have the actual human body next to you to melt into? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) So I'm thinking of two experiences. One was with mushrooms where during the ceremony, I felt very aroused and was in a group ceremonial context in an indigenous setting. So there was like an absolute clarity that that was not you know, masturbation was not uh, really welcome um, (laughs) within the context. But if you would have started doing it, I do, I, after this, I want to get more into your practice and your, um, you asked me if I had ever participated in Mm. these ceremonies. So I do want to get into that. But if in this case, if you would have just been so aroused and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Would, would the reaction of everyone else like, this is really not appropriate. Yeah, I think the facilitator, um, so it's interesting. One, 
I know because of my experience in ceremonial context that really like anything is welcome. I've had people ask if they can get naked in ceremony, do it. You want to be naked? I've had people, yeah, like purging naked, fine, absolutely welcome. Especially if you feel safe enough and the group is agreeing to, do you know what I'm saying? Like there are certain sort of conversations that can be had. In that particular setting, no, I, I wouldn't have even started. Like, it's not a thought that crossed my mind. I was like, oh, I'm very aroused right now. Uh, parking lot yeah, until yeah. we get back to, <laughs> to the spot, right? Like, yeah. for sleeping time. Um, but yeah, it would have been like, a, and not, and this again, like, not through shame, right? The facilitators wouldn't come and be like, disgusting, inappropriate, disruptive, get out, right? It would just be like, hey, we have asked, made an agreement that that is not something that we're participating in this space in this time. Um, so could you please not, you know, and I've had that happen with like, um, thinking I was singing really softly to myself and a facilitator was like, it's like not, I'm not trying to shut you up. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm not trying to shut you up, but also like, you know, so there's a way I think to maintain the agreements of the container without, re-traumatizing people with shame about their body and their arousal. I was in a separate container where working with arousal was something you were still meant to be in your own space. You weren't interacting with other participants in the space. You weren't interacting with facilitators, but there was an openness to explore sensual energy, erotic energy, um, And in that container, um, that was not explicitly, masturbation was not explicitly not allowed. Um, But interestingly, I found it like super distracting. Like I was just like, oh, there's, the medicine was already the arousal. And this is actually Mm. now just a distraction. Mm. Like it's interesting to experience, you know, Um, I'm like a big proponent of kind of just experimenting on yourself and your mind. That's how I got here. But yeah, I, I found myself being like, that wasn't as well what I thought it was gonna it wasn't gonna as be, satisfactory, you know? think, right? As the actual yeah, high um, itself. Totally. I've had that experience with MDMA as well. It can be a really arousing medicine. Um, if you're with the right partner in a consensual yes. space, that can be exciting to explore. However, frequently, once you actually get into it and you're trying to make the, the parts work and fit together, then no, they're not doing that because the medicine's taking that. It's like showing you a different kind of pleasure and arousal. So those are, yeah, that's like uh, mushroom. The, the second one was exploring sensuality and erotic energy with LSD and then MDMA. So I've had sort of those. And then in the really traditional, more traditional practices, it's definitely not a thing, but unfortunately what we see happening not infrequently in the psychedelic space right now is sexual abuse on the part of facilitators, predominantly male facilitators towards female or, um, yeah, really male facilitators and female participants is really um, where we're seeing some of this abuse arise, which is not surprising, um, sadly, because it's, it's not something we've cleaned up in mm-hmm. society. So it's going to be present in all places. And then, you know, this work really does bring in, call into question a lot of like power dynamics, teacher-student relationships. Um, there can be a lot of sort of gurification that happens in this space. And we've seen what happened, what has happened in 
other spaces in which there is this sort of guru archetype of the type of abuse that can unfold with that. You know, it's it's also important um, to educate yourself around what is culturally acceptable, what are things that should be red flags if a quote-unquote shaman is like, I'm going to heal your sacral chakra through your yes. vagina with my penis. It's like that. It's a no. Um, a no. You actually don't need to do any of that. So it, this is where, this is why, you know, when I read some of our prep questions, I was like, I really want to be careful about how we approach this conversation of actually putting sex and psychedelics in the same place and engaging with those things at the same time versus working with psychedelics and sacred earth medicines to help us come to greater awareness and loosen the the chains of oppression and shame around our sexual desires to then bring that into how we're relating to our life and other people when seeking out sexual relationships. Yes, I think you you said it so perfectly and honestly thank you because it really enlightened me because I have not I have not had sex with mushrooms. So I think what's the most beautiful, what I took away from it, it's all about energy. And I think also normalizing women being in control because I've been in some mm. sexual experiences where a man would say, whoa, you're so intense. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, if we're here, right? And I'm actually really invested in having an incredible sexual experience. And I'm sorry that that's really intense for you. However, like to your point is, is why can't you also just worship my, my, and I don't even think it's intenseness. I think it's standing in power of what Mm -hmm. of of actually knowing what I want. And I think that that is just such a, that's a tool that a lot of people are intimidated by and they can't really see themselves participating in a sexual experience where they're not the ones taking the lead or maybe they're, that triggers some type of insecurity for them of, am I enough? Can I please them enough? Um, So I think, you know, there's of course a lot of, a lot of, you know, outside information, depending on the person, but it really just makes me also think of maybe, um, like you said, putting sex and psychedelics or sex and cannabis, it's, it's less about the actual experience of combining the two things, but it's more about understanding more about yourself and your heart and your mind and how you can potentially show up in the future. Yeah. And you know, being able to say, yes, I do want the experience, the potential experience of melting into another person and having them melt into me and how am I choosing where, what, am, what is motivating the choice of who that person is and being really intentional about that as well and not just combining sex and psychedelics because it sounds cool or intense or whatever, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And and from what the you know the anecdote that you were just sharing challenging what it is to be feminine what it is to be sexy um what it is to balance feminine and masculine power within oneself um and how that is expressed yeah i was reading this really wonderful and i'll send it to you after this woman um i don't know how her instagram popped up yesterday but she was talking about you know, it was a picture of her and she's a bigger woman and talking about like how sort of upset people get by her challenging this idea of what sexy is and the the difference of being sexy and like being, having sexual energy, like looking at, a, at someone and being able to see their power, that sexiness is actually not this like shrinking of self, but it's this like stepping into full power. Um, and, you know, what we consider 
I have the Venus of Willendorf. This is my like goddess archetype and she's like really big you know um and these were like the early sculptures of what women perceived themselves as within the venus pantheon so yeah how we how we can come back to that as part of our worship of the divine as well yes and i think this is a perfect segue then for you to tell us how your practice and your ceremonies can help people embody that or find begin the journey to to find it when I work with folks for ceremony, we do a lot of preparation work around to be able to identify core wounds um, and look at where our patterns are coming from, look at where our conditioning is coming from and what is resonant and true for us based on experience and what is actually just external value systems that don't actually align with our lives um, that we've just been conditioned into. So for me, a lot of it is um, peeling back the layers of conditioning to be able to see your true self and your spirit and be able to communicate your needs and your desires in this life, whether that is around relationships, family, sex, career, whatever may, you know, may be challenging or blocking in your life. I also work, we didn't, we didn't talk about it much um, because it's not a psychoactive medicine, but I work with combo, which is a frog medicine. It can be really helpful in clearing out sort of stagnant energy um, whether it's emotional or spiritual or even physical and how that can, I've never heard of it, <laughs> it's but a really I need somatic, it. <laughs> it's a really somatic journey. Um, so it's also really helpful for folks who are frequently, um, out of their bodies, whether by choice or not, um, in coming back to, back to your body and back to yourself. Um, and, really purifying from all of the physical, mental, and spiritual gunk that gets put into our bodies, um, again, by choice and also subconsciously, not by choice. So a lot of it is that it's this like question of choice, like what are you really choosing for your life and where are you just on autopilot because your trauma is running, your unhealed trauma is running the show. And through that, being able to step into authentic self and have less um, fear of judgment and shame and expressing your desires, your needs, um, and your authenticity in the world. Beautiful. That part showing up authentically Mm -hmm. in the world. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. It's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to do daily. Well, I look forward to revisiting this and, you know, perhaps, the course will change at some point. And I think people like you and, and others in this space are really making the conversations accessible. And I think more of us who know about it hopefully can help enact some change down the line. So I appreciate you and I would be remiss not to have you speak all of your gems. Let us know where we can find you, how we can support you, any of your upcoming work or projects coming up. Let us know. Yeah. Thank you so much. So I just opened the third cohort for my psychedelic liberation training. It's a 10-week training program in how you can approach your psychedelic practice as a therapist or space holder practitioner um, from this lens of decolonization and towards the movement of collective liberation. So um, there are still spaces available for that, and we'll start in June. And then 
in July, um, I'll be hosting, co-hosting with my husband, our third annual Camp Naked, which is a BIPOC-centered, non-sexualized nudism and naturism gathering. Um, And that will be the weekend before 4th of July in Western Maryland and will be a clothing optional weekend to explore body liberation in community and in nature. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, And you can find all of this uh, if you follow me on Instagram. It's at createdby.charlotte. You might have to do the show all accounts situation because I'm pretty sure based on what I talk about these days, I am shadow banned. So... Likely, highly yeah. likely, highly likely. Um, Meta, Meta you also, are you listening, Meta? Are you listening? Exactly. Hi, I'm not selling anything. Um, yeah, and you can find all of this at um, on my site, which is just liberation training. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. And we will definitely be doing a lot of digging and research uh, and hopefully active participation to understand more about mushrooms and psychedelics, because you've definitely inspired us to to embark on a different kind of journey. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. This was a really wonderful conversation. Bye, of course.